Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. I mean, I'm doing now the thing I dreamt as doing as a kid. Which is amazing, yeah. And it's much harder than I thought it would ever be. Yeah. It's much more frustrating. I think my mental health is about as bad at times as it's ever been in okay, my life. Okay, we'll get onto um, that. We'll, 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 we'll kind of stray into that that area. But even though, because, you know, it didn't sort of happen until my sort of mid-30s, didn't start happening until my mid-30s. And sometimes my, I, I kind of go, oh, if only I'd started it, you know, when I was 20 or if only I'd, I'd gone for it kind of, you know, when I came out of college. But actually, I don't think I'd have been ready for it. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Balancing Acts. After a brief winter hiatus, forward slash hibernation, uh, didn't he say forward slash? It came out very sort of nerdy the way that I said that, but we're going to go with it. But anyway, we are back. And in this conversation, I sit down with the lovely Marco Sullivan, the co-creator, writer, director, performer, producer of the Channel 4 sitcom, Lee and Dean. Perfect. Hi, this is Steve Whiteley, comedian, actor, filmmaker and writer, all-round ADHD creative. And welcome to my new podcast, Balancing Acts, where I talk to an array of creatives ranging from comedians, actors, directors, all sorts. And we talk about how they find a sense of balance or not between their creative lives and their everyday lives and how that has an impact on their mental health and beyond. Exciting news. Balancing Acts is now made in association with The Comedy Crowd, who are a website and community that support independent comedy creators such as myself. I have a Comedy Crowd short, which is a a two-minute video one of my characters on their website. They showcase the best new videos on Comedy Crowd TV, which is comedycrowdtv.com, and across media platforms, so do go and check them out. There are loads of takeaways from this episode, whether you are a creator or an aspiring comedy creator, writer, director, producer, because Mark does it all, obviously with his team, but it's incredible what they have achieved with Lee and Dean getting the series commissioned for season one and two through their own production company. So we talk about the challenges uh, Mark faces as somebody that has to wear all those hats and how he manages to switch between, I guess, 
mindset uh, from being a comedy creator, writer, director, performer, you know, all the fun side of things to being a production company owner and the responsibilities that come with that. We talk about how that has affected Mark's mental health, the impact that that's had on him. We also discuss, I guess, strategies that Mark uses to counteract anxiety and and bounce off depression. Um, He talks about how he loves walking, goes on for long walks, and how those long walks can be conducive to having moments of creative inspiration. Yeah, and I guess uh, how going for those long walks can help him get over bouts of depression and anxiety. Mark also talks about the challenges of being a dad and a husband, having a family and balancing that with this all-encompassing career. We also talk about Mark's journey um, from being a teacher, drama teacher and English teacher, to finally fulfilling his career dreams in his late 30s, early 40s. And I guess how that has actually been beneficial for him as opposed to if he'd found success at an earlier stage. It's really useful, I think, for anyone, particularly if you're getting into a comedy career or creative career at a later stage in your life. Maybe you've had a a career swap, change or whatever. It's really useful and it's inspiring to hear about other people's journeys into this industry or the entertainment industry as a whole, having um, arrived there at a later stage and being somewhat of a success story. So Mark also talks about that. And uh, lest I forget, we also talk about how I evilly control Mark in every sense of the word from meeting him for the first time to uh, arriving here as a guest on my podcast, but more about that shortly. Okay, that's all from me. Over to Mark. Perfect. Hello, Mark O'Sullivan. Hi. Good to see you. When you came through the door, we were discussing when we both, when we last saw each other. Yeah, and you think you know, don't you? I do know, yeah. Oh, you do actually know? It's etched in my brain. Sure. <laughs> it was for the uh, audition of uh, season one of Lee and Dean. Of course it was. <laughs> of course it was, for a part that we subsequently gave to someone else. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, look. look it's I'm good to see you. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good audition. It was fun. It was really fun. I've still got the tape. I'll, I'll watch it. Any, <laughs> any audition where you just get to improvise. Yeah. It's fun, isn't it? It is fun. And people usually come through the doors for our uh, improv auditions absolutely terrified. You didn't because you, you're, you're good at that. In some ways, it's a little bit uh, harder on people coming in because we've got an idea of what the character's going to be, but because there's no script to work off, we're kind of going to people help us create this person yeah and you know and then it's all about in personal interpretation and um you know sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but you were great thank you <laughs> you, you were great it's just the other guy was a different type of great oh yeah yeah uh, I, that's very well put um, yeah I'll, I'll take that have it use it yourself <laughs> use it yourself so since then things have just like gone if, if this is a graph that no one else can see right now yeah the correlation between that time and at this period of time has gone up uh, tenfold in terms of where you are career-wise and creativity-wise, yeah, I would I say. So. Obviously, the theme of this podcast, I'm talking to different people in the creative industry about balance. Mm. And in your case, you've got a lot going on. You're an actor, writer, director and producer in your own sitcom, Lee and Dean. Yeah. It sounds really greedy when you, when you say it all out loud. It sounds like someone who's a control freak. And I am a bit of a control freak. Yeah, takes one to know one. Yeah, I know. I, I, I realised that first time we met in yeah. a cafe. When I ordered for you. Yeah, yeah. Ordered, ordered for me and told me what to wear. Yeah. Yeah. 
bit so, much. Yeah, I, I, I'm a bit annoyed myself for not messaging you what to wear prior to this. Why? What's wrong with this? What's wrong with my It's gray, just the control, isn't it? What's wrong with my grey sweatshirt that I wear to everything ever? Well, you're going for the Steve Jobs type thing, aren't you? Um, I wasn't, but now that you've mentioned it, maybe I'll, maybe I'll say that's what I'm doing. You're giving off genius vibes, basically. Brilliant. I like that. I've got the most awful dress sense. I just, and it, I, it's like, it's not just because I'm in my early 40s, it's just because I've got terrible dress sense. And when I find something <laughs> that I'm comfortable in, I just go with that. But, but then that's great, isn't it? Because then you are limiting certain choices. That is one less decision that you have to think about every day. That, but but I still every morning faced with the kind of slightly existentialist sort of horror of which grey sweatshirt. Oh, so you've got various tones of grey. I've got three different grey sweatshirts. Yeah, right. and okay. they, they do they do cross the grey spectrum if you like. Okay, yeah. they represent different areas of the spectrum of grey. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But you're still minimalize. You're still minimizing those choices. I suppose. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, how did we get on? <laughs> we got onto this because I, I accused you of being a control, control freak. Yeah. yeah, because I, I guess uh, subconsciously suggested you were by being a writer, director, yeah. actor, producer in your own sitcom, or just being a creative genius. Really, has it been a challenge taking on all those roles? It came about because there was literally no one else to do those jobs. Right. Yeah, you know, Miles and I, Miles who who plays Lee and who I've been writing and performing with for about ten years now. Um, my comedy wife, as I like we like to refer to each other. Yeah, he's he's amazing at coming up with the sort of nuggets of gold. He he is a genius. Miles is an absolute actual genius okay. at coming up with things that no one else on this planet I seriously believe could come up with okay. moments of humour that, that are just so left field so gorgeous so unexpected and then he's not as good at sort of organization kind of in his head and god you can't be good at everything can you and my head's a bit more sort of like a um sam who we work with describes my head as kind of like a as one of those really old maps that kind of folds out in several different directions and my brain is always going okay well that links to that and oh if we do that that's going to affect that over there and that that we've already done so it just sort of came out of that, really. So I ended up directing our stuff. Miles originally sort of produced our stuff, and we wrote everything ourselves. And when we were just making our own little films, you know, for for nothing, for no money, that's that's just the way we did it. And then when we started working with Channel Four, initially they said, "Oh, you know, we'll do what what we always do. You'll work with a big established production company, and we'll bring in a director and a producer." And we were really happy to do that. And because we were working in television, you know, it wasn't just us titting around with a camera. It was TV and like makeup trucks and uh, catering. You know, all the things. Yeah, that, the, the proper grown-ups. Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah, that make you feel a bit special for an hour. And then when that didn't. we had a really good experience doing that but then Channel 4 kind of said to us you know we actually like it when you do your own thing so why don't you kind of set up your own company which we did and we'll kind of commission you directly yeah and then we fully expected them at some point to say okay (laughs) fun's over let's get some proper grown-ups into these jobs now and they didn't they said the opposite they said no keep on doing it the way you've always done it so when we got the first series of Lee and Dean we were so expecting them to say uh, all right, proper director now, proper producer and some real people. And they said the opposite. They said, no, just keep on doing it the way you've done it. So it was a strain and it has been a strain and I've had to give up little bits of it. 
as we've gone on, especially in Series 2. So I didn't well, do... Bringing more people into the fold. Yeah, and sort of trusting more people as well and relaxing a bit. And do you find that, that hard? Do you find that hard in terms of the, the letting go and, and trusting people with your vision? I, I have to say yes, because if I don't, I know that the people I work with will, will shout at me okay. because they know I do. I absolutely do find it hard um, letting things go. But actually something really lovely has happened yeah, it happened on the first series and it happened even more on the second series which is you kind of you start to get a team around you of people that you trust and they're on the same wavelength as you and they kind of understand what you're trying to do and they have their own brilliance to bring to to things you know whether it's your dop or your sound people or your art people and one of my favorite sort of moments on set has become the moments where everything is out of my control okay. so like where you can't do anything because the lighting is being sorted out right or there's a costume change happening or you know something is happening that is totally out of your control and you just have to stop yeah and it's one of my favorite moments on set because i just go yeah i can't be i can't do a fucking thing at the moment this is great you know and i just have to wait for people to do their um do their thing so what are you doing those moments where you like muck about or we'll be yeah. planning the next bit a mixture of the two sometimes both together in one package okay. uh, we do a lot of mucking around um so important isn't it oh, i mean yeah. if you're creating a comedy you you've got to have a laugh with it well, and i've been on sets it's been so serious and so humorless yeah and you say what well, come on let's we're trying to get the best out of people here aren't we and it's not to say that we you know hopefully we make it fun for everybody certainly we get what we get told by people on our sets is that they've had a really good time yeah and, you know, hopefully we create something really good out of it as well. I think I think we make a nice environment. I can understand pressures, you know, and I've, as a director, I've been under time pressures and resource pressures. And the, a couple of times when I've lost my temper on set. I can't imagine you losing well, your temper. It, no, it does happen. I'm quite, I have really? got a bit of a temper on me. But every, every time it's happened, and really I think I can count how many times it happened over two series on one hand, I was so beside myself with shame you know i'd spend the next few days just apologizing to people and people have said to me some directors just do that every day yeah you know and so that that kind of is reassuring but i think if you are a performer director it gives you a slightly different sensibility in terms of you have the experience of working with other directors and you know how it feels if a director is like under stress which often you know often happens and you know you can understandably so but even so, if if you as a performer and actor can sense that they're really stressed and if they are really short with you, you know that that can affect your performance or at least affect your, your yeah. mindset during that. So I'll try and take that into account as a director. But yeah, yeah, sometimes you can still, you know, let loose. Yeah. What was that pile of dog shit? I know, yeah. I don't think I've ever shouted that, but I should. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to make that part of my armoury for whatever I do next. Yeah. I'm going to control. I'm going to control what you say. I'm going to... Could you? Yeah. I want to be I'll controlled have an ear by you, Steve. Yeah. yeah. No, that was the real aim of getting on this podcast. You're not even recording this, no. <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't pressed record. What kind of monster are you? Inviting <laughs> someone into your home and doing this. And why can't I put trousers on? This is a series in itself. What? Control you, freak. Steve doesn't let Mark put trousers on. Episode one. We're waiting camera here. <laughs> <laughs> Editing just this, then you leave. Just me crying in a room with no trousers on. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Can we? I've, but still having the grey top on. Yeah, 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 obviously, because yeah. I'd be naked, mm. literally naked. Mm. Yeah. 
vulnerable. How's this game, do you think? You I think it's, it? I'm, I'm, I, well, I'm interviewing you, so I guess I'm in control, which and, makes me happy. And you are sitting on the floor. I am like a guru. Do I, is it like a guru or is it more sort of like your humble servant? Well, Nate, there's something weirdly controlling about it. Is there? It's because, is there really? It's because yeah, but you're, you're higher up. I am like, status-wise. Yeah, status-wise, you're higher up. Tra- you know, in, yeah. If this was a talk show, oh, you'd be the host. I, yeah, or, or, or just like... Um, just an oversized person, an enormous-sized person. <laughs> a giant. Yeah. But there's something about it because, you, you know, you're so, you're so relaxed there on the floor and, you, you know, you kind of said, no, it's fine. I'll, I'll be fine on the floor. Yeah. I want you to be comfortable. And for some reason, my brain has taken that as <laughs> even even with this very obvious height status thing going on, I feel totally controlled in this situation. Really? Yeah. But I'm not not enjoying it. So, you know, let's, let's keep going. Okay, we'll keep going yeah. in that situation. How do you find that sort of, that side of things? Because... You know, we're talking briefly before about the you know the industry side of things. Yeah. Do you find all the sort of like moves that go on, you know, when you're creating these type of things and then you've got the other side of things to making it all happen? There's always there's certain like power moves going on and all etc. Cetera, et cetera. Do you find that hard to deal with? And you know, in terms of moving between like headspaces of being, oh, I'm the I'm the sort of comedic creator, but then also, oh, I need to put a business hat on now. Do you find that a conflict? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, running, as you know, running your own production company, your headspace for so much of the time is development, relationships, networking, talking to the right people, kind of warming them up for projects that you're going to share with them. And I do enjoy that. I really, really do enjoy that. But when it's, when that, totally takes over which it does for great kind of swathes of time from just creating, creating something stuff and, yeah and messing about a bit i i can feel myself getting i can feel my mind and body kind of reacting against against that it's I, yeah it's almost like you're like i now i need i need some the equivalent of me time yeah just go and create and yeah and yeah which is what we try to do so for we've got in a couple of weeks we're going to go back to what we did right at the beginning. We're just going to make a film in a day, which is what right. we did to begin with. We made about five of these kind of films in a day. And our, our rule was you had to be able to film everything for that short film in one day. Okay. Because I always knew that if you said, oh, we'll do that bit on Tuesday, and we'll, let's try and fit that in on Thursday. It just never get done. So was Flavours done? Flavours, the original Flavours was filmed which in a I day. Loved. Um, I remember you getting in, in touch. I think that's that. how we first got in touch, wasn't I it? I think it was. It yeah. was very, very... I fanboyed you. You did, yeah. you did, and then we fanboyed back. Yeah, and we didn't cast you in something. <laughs> a bit, um, but it's okay. But here we are. I'm sat here with no trousers on. Me controlling flat. you. So, yeah, yeah. So you know, it's all worked out really perfectly. Um, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do a new film with some new characters in about a fortnight. I think Great, we're filming that, and I'm really looking forward to that. Just as a day of um, f- hard work, but fun. But when we're sort of deep in production on something, I tend to kind of request that barriers are put up between me and the business side of things. That makes sense. I mean, it's it's not entirely possible to do it. And, you know, it's not just me shouldering, shouldering that stuff. There's, you know, Martin and Miles and Sam who, who run Bingo as well. But, you, you know, like I say, I'd rather anything come, kind of from the channel kind of went through other people and only kind of arrived at me if it really needs to yeah you know and that's i know that sounds a bit sort of grand but you just need to be able to separate i don't want to be worrying about politics 
of things whilst we're on set. No, you need to be 100% focused on yeah. shouting at people. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I don't shout at people. Yeah. I just raise my voice, I do. Uh, yeah. yeah, just in an authoritative way. Yeah, that's right. With your grey polar neck. I've just made the polar neck bit up, but I'm just going back to Steve Jobs. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Steve Jobs. I'm, I'm trying to Black. work out whether I'm enjoying that um, <laughs> comparison. connection. I would I don't think I am. No, okay, well, <laughs> we can right. change it. Um, Zuckerberg. Oh yeah, let's go through through all of them. All the yeah. tech, all the tech titans that wear the same outfits every day. They do, don't they? Yeah, they all do. And that's uh, those um, articles you get where they say, oh, "Do you want to know the real secret to success? It's just wearing the, wearing same, the same black, black t shirt every day." Yeah, and underwear. You think that's not? I mean, that's kind of verging on illness, surely. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, I've never been that way inclined. I often think I should because it does sometimes take me a while to decide what to wear, and I would like to minimise decisions in my life. But you're good with clothes, Steve. Do you mind me saying that? You know, when no, I, I mean, it's a compliment. When so. I see you on the social medias, you know, you, 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 you're good with clothes. <laughs> the you social can, medias. You can combine fabrics and colours and patterns <laughs> and shapes in a way that I can only dream of, you know. Yeah, but For me, I, if it's something sturdy. There's something sturdy about the consistency of just, this is your uniform. It almost becomes part of your branding. There's Mark with his grey, sort of lighter grey-toned, Top. Top, with the bubbles on it. Yeah. I've got one of those de-bobbling machines. Have you got one of those? No, but I really like one. They're amazing. Are they? They're game changer. life-changing. Yeah, I need to get me one of those. Honestly, but I wouldn't use it on this because I think the bubbles is part of it. Yeah, no, it definitely adds to it. it gives it kind of a... No, it does. <laughs> I was looking for the right words. <laughs> right, right. It was like a yes or no. Uh... It gives it kind of a vintage feel, <laughs> a retro feel. It does, doesn't you it? You know, you go to a flea market, very American word, flea market, isn't it? Yeah. You go to a flea market... And you just pick one of those out and they're like, yeah, that was, that's the magic. That was worn by a beatnik somewhere. Yeah. Or Steve Jobs. Yeah. Go Steve, God bless him. God yeah. bless him. Yeah. So I think what's great though about going back to what you do and all the hats that you wear, the beauty of it is, is that you do have Miles there and you do have Sam there. Was it originally just you and Miles and, and then Sam joined you later on? Has it always been, and in terms of like you creating and writing comedy, have you and Miles always been a partnership? So Sam, I've known since he was seven years old. Really? Because I know, I know his parents really well. We used to oh, do wow. plays at a local theatre together. Oh, that's cool. So I've known him since he was seven, which is which is ridiculous. And Miles, I met about fifteen years ago when I met my wife because my wife and Miles's wife Jill were best friends at secondary school. Okay. So when I met my wife, she said, "You've got to meet Miles and Jill," and met them. And even though we all actually grew up in the same area, we didn't know each other before at all. Miles is a bit older. I say a bit, 10 years almost older. Yeah, he doesn't look it. He's he's had a very easy life. So Miles and I discovered we had a really similar sense of humour quite early on. And there's a a story about how we discovered it, which I can't tell you. Okay. Because it's it's quite disturbing. You tell me after. Uh, Yeah, I'll tell you after. It's, It's a very disturbing bit of synchronicity that still makes us giggle. Okay. Um... So I sort of trained to be an actor in a slightly half-hearted way. As in, did you go to a drama school? I didn't. I didn't go to a drama drama school. Drama school. Drama school. Yeah. Uh, I did a uh, <laughs> did a B tech. <laughs> Doesn't matter. My, my eleven-year-old son laughs at the fact that I did a B tech. He doesn't know what a B tech is, but he knows it's funny. Um, <laughs> it sounds funny, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. Just... Did a B tech. Well done. But my B tech, my two years of uh, performing arts was brilliant. It was really, really amazing. I learned right. so much from it. And then I did. I used to go to this weekend kind of uh, drama school thing in Kentish Town. 
like years and years and years ago and then sort of tried to be an actor didn't work out and became a teacher because you know that's what everyone does apparently oh you know I shouldn't have ever been a teacher really it was a mistake but then well just because never really wanted to do it I I had some good times and I, I made some good friends and I certainly got a lot of material from from being a teacher. Did you teach drama? I taught drama in English, yeah. Okay. And um, yeah, I used to teach all the really naughty kids. Did you? Because I was quite patient. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I used to get all the bottom sets for everything, and they were they were there were some wild children in those lessons. Really? Yeah. My first ever lesson with one particular class, I had a first floor classroom. And one of the kids just jumped out of the window and ran <laughs> off across the field. Yeah, <laughs> just he was fine, you know. That's great material. He was the same child, and it's sorry uh, tangent time here. Is this same... that's that Sam? Uh, no, not Sam. Okay. No, no, not Sam. I did teach Sam once because I did some supply teaching at oh, school. Wow. That's weird. So this is one kid. I, I ended up having a form. I was a form tutor because I I kind of joined halfway through a year, and then another teacher left, so I took over their form. And I won't tell you, I can't tell you his name, obviously, but this kid, he was, he would spend his lunch money that his mum gave him on two bowls of spa-own um, energy drink on the way into school. <laughs> and so, you know, by half eight, he was fucked. Off his nut. He was absolutely off his nut. And uh, I just repeated what you said because it sounded really good. Um, and then he'd, he'd come in and basically he'd crash by about ten past nine and then be in trouble for the rest of the day or asleep. <laughs> I often found him asleep in places. But one morning, he was never on time for register in the morning, uh, apart from one morning, and he came in before anyone else and sat down. And I'm kind of looking at him thinking, this isn't normal. And everyone in the class was coming in and sort of staring at him and whispering, and I'm thinking, what the hell is going on here? And a couple of minutes later, the door to the form room burst open the head teacher ran in and said I'll, what's it? I'll call him Edward he said for God's sake Edward you've just been run over <laughs> he'd been run over by a bus outside the school because he was off his face on energy drink and didn't feel a thing sort of got, got up <laughs> and thought oh, I better go and register well, was he alright then? Uh, yeah I think so um, eventually but he had been run over by a bus wow yeah weird Anyway, so that's why I shouldn't be a teacher. And then I started making, I started doing sort of drama projects, like educational drama projects, and I started making films. Sam came and did some work for me because he did media at college. And okay. then I said, I'll oh, come and like work on some stuff with me. Met Miles. And the first thing we did together was we wrote a pilot script for something. And it got picked up by a production company. Wow. And it went to the BBC and we thought, oh my, so we've, we've made, made it. it. Yeah. Hello. And then, like, a few months later, it was rejected, as most things are, as we know. And we honestly spent about a year just feeling really angry and achieving nothing. How long ago was this? This was coming up to 10 years ago. Okay. And then, because I'd started making films as part of my kind of work, I set up this company making films, kind of educational films, and then I made loads of films for charities and like, the public sector. And Sam was, was doing lots of that work with me. I just said, we just said let's just make a film and we made flavors and it came from some characters that we thought about writing about delphine and vic and sam has always been our co-writer and the brilliance of sam is that he absolutely knows if something works or doesn't great you know so you know sometimes you you can be in a place in your head where you go i think this is okay but i'm not just i'm just not sure sam knows if something works or not and sam 
if something isn't working, Sam knows how to tweak it, how to turn it around. So he's almost like a director. Oh yeah, he's well, he's kind of he's certainly sort of helped on that side of things, and he has directed things himself. Yeah. So he's yeah, just, just brilliant. So your what was your question? Have Mars? It's just I, well, yeah, it was, yeah, and just commenting how because a lot of the time I I do collaborate with people, and I much prefer collaborating with people, but it must be quite nice having just like you've got your team there. That, and then, ha- and also knowing what your individual roles are, what you all, all bring to the table. Yeah. And so, I guess in terms of the theme of balance, you've got like the balance between your team, and everyone brings something to the table. And just like, also, it sounds like it's it's happened very organically. Like it's yeah. not like you seeked out. I need this person. I need this person. You just all sort of came together. Yeah, it it um, has happened organically, which is it's like a, a great beautiful feeling. market garden. Indeed. But what's re- I guess encouraging to hear, particularly for comedy creators or just creators in general who mm. are listening is that you know some people might just think oh they uh, they did this comedy blaps and then next thing they've got this sitcom it just uh, happens so quickly for them but there was a whole sort of 10-year process even you could even you know say that your experience as a teacher had an impact etc you've had a whole journey to get to this point definitely i mean i'm doing now the thing i dreamt as doing as a kid which honestly, is amazing honestly. yeah and it's much harder than I thought it would ever be. Yeah. It's much more frustrating. I think my mental health is about as bad at times as it's ever been in okay, my life. Okay, we'll get onto um, that. We'll, 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 we'll kind of stray into that, that area. But even though, because, you know, it didn't sort of happen until my sort of mid-30s, didn't start happening until my mid-30s. And sometimes my, I, I kind of go, oh, if only I'd started it, you know, when I was 20 or if only I'd, I'd gone for it kind of you know when I came out of college but actually I don't think I'd have been ready for it do you think you wouldn't be ready for it creatively or emotionally or all of that that? yeah Yeah. I think all of the experiences I've had help me do what I'm doing now yeah they shape give you a certain perspective whether it's material or just kind of resources or or just yeah sometimes it's confidence thing isn't it and I know I've, I've stood up in front of some really tough classes of kids yeah and you know managed to stop them chucking chairs at each other and that has helped me in tricky situations on set you yeah. know no one's chucked a chair at anyone Yet. as far as I know yeah. yeah there's time there's always time there is time if I do get cast in a future series I'll be Can't. sure to yeah don't want to Commit no, no, of no, obviously, no, obviously, no, obviously, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a condition of getting my trousers back. <laughs> yeah, that's the contract you signed when you walked through these doors. Ah, see, I, I don't remember, obviously, because I was unconscious. You, you were, <laughs> yeah. You have, it really has. Um, because you got into it at a later age, there are obviously lots of people doing what we do who have been doing it from a really young age. Mm. And you're like, oh, there, you can be thinking, they're sort of like proper comedians or they're such yeah. a... Do you ever suffer from imposter syndrome? Oh, daily. Do you? Hourly. Uh, in all your various guises? Absolutely. Do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how do you deal with that? Little mind tricks, really. Such as? Like just pretending that I'm meant to be there doing that thing. And that works? Yeah. Oh, it's, well, sometimes it has to, doesn't it? You know, kind of, there have been times when we've been on set, for instance, you know, with 100 plus people, when you take into account all the crew, all the actors, all the supporting artists... And everyone's kind of looking at you, kind of going, okay, everyone wants to have some idea of what, what's going to happen now. And it's not just down to me in those situations. Obviously, you've got your first AD and, you know, you, you, uh, everyone else around you. But, yeah, God, you have to. 
and in every meeting I ever go to, and I, I go to a lot of meetings, it's my life at the moment is meetings, basically. You know, I, do, I feel like an imposter all the time. But um, And sometimes I, I allow that to kind of happen because I think it actually is part of who I am, you know, and the fact that I didn't really ever intend to have a production company. And although I, I wanted to be doing what I'm doing, I never really thought it would happen. Really? No, no, I, I totally given up on it. Really? Yeah. So it's like you almost had the opposite experience to, because, you know, there's a whole school of thought that you've got to visualise and manifest your what your your dreams, whatever it is you want. You basically had the complete opposite of that, where you... You're saying you gave up on it, on this idea that you'd ever do it, but then you yeah. still got there anyway. Well, not and because I, I didn't give up on it in a kind of a sad way. Yeah, I thought you know I'd, I'd had some great experiences doing lots of different things, and I thought you know okay that is probably isn't going to happen, and it was more a case of that that thing where sometimes when you let go of something, that's what it is. Yeah, you, that that's what kind of manifests, I suppose. Well, you could- know. Could you sense a change in yourself at that time when you just decided, you know what, it's probably not going to happen? Like, did you feel more a sense of peace? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, I can remember, so when we did our first thing with Channel 4, the blaps, after we made those blaps, we then had the pilot script commissioned for that series, Flavours. And we wrote that. And again, we thought, you know, this is it. This is absolutely it. We yeah. made the blaps. They've asked us to write a script. This is us now. You know, it, yeah. Hey, yeah. Woo. And we wrote that. And then, as often happens in TV, you send something in and you don't hear anything for a long time. And during that time, we thought, well, you know, there's no way it's not going to happen because, you know, it's brilliant. Isn't it? yeah. you, know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, doubt they'll have anything as good as this. And, uh, and of course, like most things, it didn't happen because right. that's one of the things you learn, isn't it? Most projects in this industry don't ever happen mm. and as soon as you're kind of at peace with that I think that makes life a bit easier for for you yeah and we then eventually got a phone call and said we're not going to be taking this any further and I remember miles we're in our office which is in Letchworth we live in Hitchin uh, very close to each other and Miles hadn't brought his car in and I, I drove us home in my car and I just decided the best thing I could do is shout really loudly, like a lot. And Miles is going, can you please stop? Can you, can you just stop the, the shit? Because I'm a bit worried now. You know, we're driving down this this kind of little country lane. He's going, can you please just stop shouting? And I was just going, fuck, fuck, fuck. You know, just top of my lungs. It made me feel um, so much better. And at that moment, I thought, that's it. Fuck it. You know, this is never going to happen for us. It's never, ever going to go any further. We've had a good experience, but, you know, that's it. And we'd also kind of emailed them back at, at Channel 4 and said, look, we are really sad, obviously, but we understand. Because we did understand, you know, they've got so many things. They've only got so much money mm-hmm. to put into things. Some stuff isn't going to happen. And it was kind of one of those emails where, you know, you're kind of seething and bitter and you're a little ball of hate, but you have to be grown up and you have to say, look, thank you for letting us do what you've let us done so far. And we're really sad that it's not going forward, but thank you. And then just as a little kind of PS that we haven't ever had a chance to talk to you about the other things we've been making and the other stuff we do, you know, it'd be lovely if we could chat to you about those at some time, thinking we would never hear anything. And we got an email back saying, yeah, come in and talk to us about those. And the first thing we talked about was Lee and Dean. Wow. And so it was in that moment of kind of, right, fuck it, let go. It's never going to happen. 
that something amazing came. And I'm a great believer in those moments that are devastating in terms of loss or your hopes being dashed and a little bit of what you thought was going to be your future disappearing, yeah. kind of dissolving in front of you. The older I get and the more more of those experiences I have, the more I realise that usually something good comes out of it in some way, whether it's a bit of knowledge or experience or a bit of resourcefulness or a bit more kind of strength within you. Yeah. Or it just makes you concentrate on something else that you haven't been concentrating on. Yeah. And something good might come of that. So Yeah, for sure. I think <clears throat> going back to we're talking about before about getting into this industry mm. later on in life, I think that is definitely one of the strengths or advantages to that. Yeah. Whereas if you found success at a really young age, you wouldn't be used to that failure. And I reckon if if, if you did experience that for the first time, it would hit you hard. You wouldn't know necessarily how to compute it. Devastating. Yeah. Yeah. And it is still devastating when it happens. You know, and we, I, I thought, you know, when we started making the Undine, oh, that's it, kind of stuff's easy now, you know. And it, some things aren't much easier. Doors are open to us that were never open before. Sure. People take us seriously in a way that surprises me hourly. Yeah. But, you know, it doesn't actually get easier in terms of getting Stuff getting made. things away and getting things made because mm. you're you're still one project in a sea of projects, yeah. you know, and, and there are lots of amazing people out there. And True. One thing I do think uh, is great, though, about being a creator at this time is that whereas uh, however many years ago, if you didn't get a, a, a green light from BBC One to ITV or Channel 4, that would be it, whereas yeah. now you've got, obviously, so many more platforms available to you. Yeah, it's a strange world now that no one really seems to understand the people in it and the people running it don't seem to really know what this all means yeah because you're right there are so many opportunities to you know things you can make and places you can you can make them for if that makes sense Mm. and yet still that has kind of brought its own kind of problems and I, i don't truly understand what they are and i get the sense that all the people i talk to who are actually you know in those positions sometimes of, of commissioning those things don't sort of understand the landscape because it's changing so much there's a kind of a, a level of production companies you know the older more established bigger sometimes super indies who made so much money when there were a, a really kind of limited number of channels and networks you could make things for and then they made so much money from dvd sales yeah that they're still living off that mm. and you know they you know well done to them and you know some of my favorite shows helped to make that happen for them and mm. you know um, w- what a brilliant success it, it, it was for them and i'm not for a moment kind of saying oh, i wish that was me i do of course wish that was me <laughs> but you know i'm pleased that they're in those positions but nowadays you, you just don't have that opportunity i think it's much harder to grow into that that sort of size and that position as a production company i think so and i don't i'm not saying that like it's a you know i don't know we want bingo our company to grow and we are growing it at the moment but i don't know if i'd ever want it to be that size kind of unwieldy i don't know that i'd ever want it to be something that i i didn't feel you know had our little kind of home county sensibility to it yeah yeah because i think that's part of of who we are and and what makes us do what we do. Perfect. 
Hello, sorry to interrupt in the middle of this insightful conversation, which I'm enjoying, I'm sure, just as much as you are. But I need to give you guys a little reminder. Uh, if you like this conversation, this episode, if you like balancing acts in general, then please do subscribe to us, rate and review us because it makes the world of difference. And the more reviews we get, the more rates we get, the more people can discover the podcast and we can make it go viral, whatever that means. Okay, back to the chat. So going back to what you were saying about you kind of at this point where without one sound cheesy, you fulfilled your, your dreams. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you say your mental health is kind of worse than it's ever been. Oh. How does that manifest itself? All the time at the moment. I'm trying to stop myself from saying, oh, first world problems. Because, of course, you know, it is a bit first worldy, isn't it? To go, no one understands how difficult it is to make a television comedy. You know, you've got no idea what I'm going through. I think it is, but I think <laughs> at the same time, like those issues are they're the issues you're going through that's your personal experience so. and that's what i'm trying to remember yeah so i don't know. think you should feel guilty about no. that affecting your mental health thank you thank you for for controlling my thoughts in that way <laughs> you're welcome. But in a really supportive way <laughs> no i like that um no I, I i think you're right i'm trying to stop myself from from saying it because yeah it's is it just is it just the stress of it all that you find huge stress challenging yeah the, i mean the stress of responsibility for it all you know and with that responsibility you get control and freedom so there yeah. is that that's the payoff isn't it that brilliant flip side mm. to it but like i've known so i've i've kind of struggled with mental health problems my entire kind of adult life mm-hmm. and you know i've been on prozac for 15 years Have you? yeah is, for depression yeah i don't i don't know if it even works anymore but really? i take it every morning <laughs> you know, and because uh, it's part of my morning ritual Routine, now. With a great t shirt. I've always, yeah, I've always kind of struggled with that, but I'd never really experienced anxiety before. Right. And then about a year ago, maybe slightly longer, I had my first kind of real panic attack. How did that take form? Oh, so I've had a uh, great thing about getting older, just bits of your body start going, nah, you're all right, mate. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, just start kind of behaving in ways that you didn't expect. So I've had a couple of sort of health scares. One was a real one and one was one entirely in my mind. And the real one turned out not to be anything sinister, which is great. But no matter how many times doctors and consultants told me that it was okay, I would get myself into, you know, I'd be awake in the middle of the night, shaking, thinking about what it would be like saying goodbye to my children on wow. my deathbed. And, you know, just totally unable to concentrate and to function. Yeah, just anxiety. Like, I've never, you know, people have, my friends have told me what their anxiety has done to them and what it's been like for them. And you try and empathise and you go, oh, that must be awful. And you try and imagine, you know, what it would be to feel like that. But until you've actually experienced it, it's, it's terrifying, really, really terrifying. And, you know, I think that's all, that all comes from the kind of stress of, of what we're doing now but um don't know kind of how how your head is mm-hmm. uh but i also don't know if I'd, I'd want to kind of lose it completely because i think it's part of gives you your edge yeah i think so the yeah the darkness yeah I, that's sort of like an old age thing isn't it like it is. a myth that all creatives need to have that darkness or that edge I don't know if that's necessarily true. I mean, if it's been a part of you for so long, then it maybe almost seems scary to be without that. Yeah. I've definitely, you know, a combination of therapy and a few other things, 
had some shifts this year and I feel a lot lighter off the back of it. And I am managing to just continuing to, I guess, do what I'm doing, write and create. So I don't know if it is necessary, but then at the same time, it's down to to the individual, isn't it? But unless you have had the experience of creating without those elements of darkness, I guess you wouldn't know whether whether it would have a positive or negative impact on you. The unknown is scary, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, Do you do anything like meditation or... No, I'm shit at that. Have you tried it? Uh, Yeah, and I know I should... I should properly try. I mean, I, I do try and keep fairly active. In what I, way? What do you do? I do um, well, I say I do a lot of walking. I don't do nearly as much walking as I think I do in my head. But when I can, I will go off and disappear for a day or two. Really? Just walking by myself. For a whole um, day? Yeah, oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Wow, where do you um, go? Oh, just... So I like doing kind of routes that are kind of well-known sort of routes. So I did part of the Ridgeway a couple of years ago. Um in the middle of the beast from the east actually i decided to go ahead with it and uh it's quite uh yeah that's quite an experience cinematic yeah 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 do you find that you get a lot of ideas from notes. going along with yeah i can imagine notes. yeah I, t- I have to kind of make notes on my phone as i'm going along yeah. and i listen to a lot of podcasts yeah. a lot of podcasts as i'm walking um and then i like sometimes i like walking between places i know I've never walked before. I've always kind of driven them just to see what it's like and to see what's over the hedge kind of thing. That's so funny you say that. <laughs> I I have that thing where sometimes I'm driving past a road that I've driven past God knows how many years and then I'll notice a little turning or something. I was like, that's crazy. I've driven down this road for years and yeah. I've never noticed that turning. I, I, or, or a little alleyway or something. I want to walk down there. Yeah. And do you walk down there? No. You just think it. I think it. Oh, that's okay. I think it. Oh, I'm trying now to look around me and take in all my surroundings now. Yeah. As much as possible, like looking up. Looking up's great. You see so much, so don't much. you? Yeah. So much detail and... It changes like the whole perspective of, yeah. of, of, of even a building, looking up at the top of it. And little echoes of the past, you know, old f- names I of firms l- I and things. Those, yeah, I love those. Yeah, those really... old school signs, like East End yeah. signs. and Oh, I love it. Yeah. There's... um. There's this kebab shop in uh, Kentish Town that uh, Giles Corrin um, did a review on. Oh, okay. And it's called E-Mono. E-Moro? E-Mono. And they've got another one in Frisbee Park. Anyway, he did his rave review and said it's the best kebab I've ever been there. But the sign is sort of this old vintage sign. And uh, that was the original sign of the shoemaker, but they've just nice. kept it and they've called themselves E-Mono. Oh, what a brilliant thing. And that's sort of their, yeah, their business name. But anyway, I digress. No, that's very cool. I like that. Yeah, I like joining up places in my head. So, like, I do when I obviously I'm based out of London, but I'm in London usually every week, a day or two. Yeah. And whenever I can, I space meetings out so I can walk between them. And that's like, right. Sometimes kind of clock up like 15k walking. Yeah. In a day between between meetings, but I just love joining up bits of London in my head. That's nice, and um, and that's where you you find a lot of your inspiration comes from. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. And it was I I had a day earlier this year. And it was daylight, slightly mad daylight, five meetings, but I managed to space them all out. And like it, it started off in kind of Southwark sort of way. I had a couple of meetings down there. Then I had to come back up to sort of um, Grazing Road, I think it was. And so crossed the river and I was around sort of like the law courts sort of area. And I just saw this, um, this tiny little terrace of buildings they must be like sort of two three hundred years old and then behind them these 
big new buildings like standing over them and it so really was like yeah I, for a moment it was kind of like you can imagine the, the little building in front going do you ever get like the feeling someone is watching you just like over <laughs> your shoulder and i've got i've got a picture of them and that's exactly kind of what you know that sort of that moment suggested to me and it, it entertained me greatly yeah but those, those are little moments aren't they there's a, there's a great bit when we when series two of Liam dean came out we went up to we've done an interview with them before this radio station called Fubar. Um, oh, yeah. They're up kind of um, not that far from here, I think, sort of islington sort of way. And we decided to walk from King's Cross up there. <laughs> and um, there, it's the same sort of thing. There was this road where there was one original building, sort of Victorian building, and next to it on both sides was this huge, new, shiny development. And obviously, whoever owns that one building is going, no, that's staying here yeah. and you can sort of um, sort of imagine this character at a party going are you sure you're okay there you don't want to come over here with us no I'm fine I'm not moving you know because this two building uh, you know just kind of towering over it yeah yeah well, it's crazy until I said this Steve I had no idea I was so entertained by buildings and their juxtaposition yeah but I think that's that's a beautiful thing though isn't it because you're just finding you're seeing like bits of narrative narrative yeah. and layers that other people aren't even considering that's yeah. an animated series right there it is isn't it but yeah i don't think it's got a huge life no i mean we could sort of flesh out the characters find out what they cl- look at you you're claiming 50 percent ownership <laughs> of this this is how we work. Making up for not getting that part in the Indeed. Oh, this is what this is all about. There's no <laughs> podcast, is there? Just I this. told you there's no podcast. Yeah. There's no podcast. and This is uh, a dummy mic. And there's a huge lock on the door. Yeah, you're not getting out, mate. If this is How's the that for anxiety? <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, what makes you shit at meditation? Uh, my own um, inability to meditate. So, so, as in to sit still and to be a, sort of alone with your thoughts? I think I do, actually, I do, I'm, I'm lying for not terribly good comic, comic effect here. I do sort of meditate, but my meditation comes when I'm walking. Yeah, that is a form of meditation. Um, and also, I say, we've got an office in Letchworth. We've got a couple of sofas in it. And I have a little kind of, I call it a power nap each afternoon. Great. How long for? Uh, usually, well, I always go with the intention of 20 minutes and I'm usually there for 45 to an hour. Because 20 is going to be the threshold, isn't it? After you go 20, you go in like, you're fucked for the afternoon. No, no, no? I'm, fine. no yeah, I'm right. always okay. I'm always much better after it. So it's usually 40 minutes. Let's say that, yeah. Oh, but fantastic. if Martin or Miles or Sam asks, no, I'm definitely alert after 20 minutes. Okay. But my best naps are the ones where you just, like a bath, you feel like you just slip under the surface. Mm, yeah. And you're still aware. And I have some crazy, crazy kind of moments and ideas in those times. And I actually sometimes I kind of go into them with a a kind of a problem in my head of something, a project that I'm thinking about. And I just sort of let it sit there and see what comes out of it. Sometimes it doesn't come out for hours or days after, but, you know, something emerges. Something emerges, yeah. I had this really odd moment. Last week, oh, voice is breaking. <laughs> uh, had this really odd moment last week. Well, I did that uh, bit out. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, so I've been wanting to write a ghost story for ages, and one of the first screenplays I wrote was a ghosty sort of modern ghost story. But um, looking back on it now, it was pretty shit. 
but there's still so I really want to write a ghost story and I've been talking as a TV series yeah yeah and I've been talking to loads of different people about it recently and they they're all kind of in the same position yeah if you can do a really good sort of supernatural thriller sort of thing that would be such a, a beautiful thing you know to try and get to try and get made yeah and so at this moment last week in fact what day it's Tuesday today isn't it so yeah. last Tuesday morning my daughter who's 13 um, I'm not allowed to mention her name because I get told off every time I mention my children's names on podcasts by right. my children. Okay. She had a school trip, so she had to be in school early. So she had to be in school by seven o'clock instead of half eight. And I said to my wife, I don't mind taking her in the morning. So we both set the alarm for kind of six o'clock, woke up. And my wife said, oh, actually, I'm going to go for a run anyway. So I'll take her and can you take our son slightly later? So fine, I'll get an extra kind of 30, 45 minutes in bed. You know, you know how lovely that is when mm. you go, oh, free time, free bedtime. And um, so this is really odd. I turned over onto my side yeah. in that nice, oh, I'm still just about sleepy enough to actually maybe have a bit of sleep. And I know that I just kind of slipped into that slightly under the surface moment. And my wife was behind me looking for some of her running stuff in a chest of drawers. And at one point she said... She said to me, oh, where am I um, running leggings? And I said, which, which ones, which colour? Because I, I knew I'd seen some kind of maybe in the airing cupboard or something. And she didn't answer me. And for a split second, I thought, I wonder if I've died. <laughs> but the change from living to not living was so imperceptible that to me, there was no, there was no moment. But any moment now, she's going to lean over and say, Mark, Mark, oh, my God, what's wrong? Kids, you know, phone an ambulance. And I'm going, no, I'm fine. I'm, I'm here. I'm fine. And she's shaking my body. And then I get up and look down and there I am in the bed. And from that has kind of has come this idea, this beginning for a um, for a ghost story That's series. Right. And it just came from that sort of slightly under the surface. See, you never know where it's going to come no. from. It very rarely comes from just sort of, right, I'm going to sit at my laptop. Oh, no. And when, just see what comes up. When does it ever happen? It doesn't, because you're forcing it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some, I love a deadline. I, Deadlines are fantastic, and I, I like, I specifically like knowing that there's only 24 hours until the deadline. Uh, the pressure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 24 hours is a massive exaggeration, but, but waiting and waiting and waiting. Yeah, sometimes it is. Yeah. Like, I, I'm about to do my first ever stand-up gigs yeah i wanted to talk to you about this <laughs> and this is exciting well it is it's, it's probably stupid but i know so what i like to do with things like that when i've decided i'm quite sort of um stubborn about things when i've decided to do something what i like to do is publicly declare it yeah so that then i know I people are going to ask me yeah, yeah. and i it, it just works for me yeah i did it earlier this year i stopped drinking for 100 days and I thought the only way I'm going to do this is if I sort of go out, publicly declare it. Yeah. Say, I'm not going to drink for 100 days. I'm just going to see. And, you know, it worked. So I thought I'm going to publicly declare it, thinking oh, I'll try and book my first gig in in the new year or something. And because I publicly declared it, a couple of days later, my agent phoned me up and said, right, you're going to do stand-up? I said, yeah. I said, right, come and meet the live bookings people at the agency. So two days after that, I'm sitting in with them and saying, right, let's get you some gigs but. So I've now got 10 gigs. Have you signed with a live booking agency now? Well, no, within my agency. Oh, within your agency, yeah. right, yeah. 
So now you've got 10 gigs I've got 10 gigs booked. This side of the year? No, my first one isn't. I've got two before Christmas oh, and the rest are after Can Christmas. you let me know? What Do you want to say now where the first one is or not? I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of treating it like a driving test. I'm not sure whether I want to tell people. Yeah, fair enough. Um, will, you, will you let me know? I will, because obviously I'm scared of you. Yes. So, yeah. And I said that in a sort of... You, you could, yeah, you, yeah, you wouldn't sense that from the audio. It was more the look that I gave you. It was the, sort of the look slightly was threatening. Horrific. It's how yeah. you imagine Satan to be. Yeah. I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah. Endorse that on my LinkedIn profile. <laughs> so you've got LinkedIn. Christ, what are you? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I started posting on there recently, like for the first time in years. LinkedIn. I don't know why. And uh, it's quite a lonely place for a comedian yeah. to be posting on there yeah. it's just because I had bits of content well I started posting this podcast bit and that you know you got a few likes and that makes sense yeah yeah it's just content but it's a bizarre place isn't it it is an odd place do you post on there as a production company no no I used not. to did like, you when I was doing all my kind when of corporate, your corporate stuff, stuff yeah, yeah. But, um, no it's an odd it's an odd place it's an odd me. place Twitter is very much your forum isn't it you're, you're very good at Twitter I I don't I I've just had like this this past weekend my my most successful ever tweet. Yeah, saw it. It's got, <laughs> that got thousands of likes, didn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, and uh, how was that sort of? Did you get a huge uh, adrenaline kick out of that? Oh yeah, obviously. Yeah, know, it's kind of like um, what's the is it dopamine? endorphins, um, yeah, dopamine release. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah probably you get endorphins. That. And it's the first time I've had a tweet because basically Anton Deck retweeted it Sunday evening, <sighs> which wow. was ridiculous, and. Um, the first time I've looked at something and just seen the counter going ding 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 ding, yeah. ding. and you go this is great this is great this is <laughs> this is drug like you know I could get on board with this Twitter's been great I mean everything that's happened to us has in some way and career wise has in some way been linked to Twitter really so the first time we started writing something we did this character on Twitter that became our first script and she got followed by lots of kind of really good writers like Simon Blackwell and Catelyn Moran and Ian Martin. And they were the people that kind of started putting us in touch with production companies. And then when we did Flavours, we put that out on Twitter and Simon Blackwell saw it and put us in touch with Channel 4. So everything has happened uh, to us because of Twitter, really. Oh, and wow. because we did the things that we put on Twitter. But, so it's been a very positive Oh, Twitter's been great. I mean, it's not... It's quite a different place now, isn't it? It's, uh, it's quite toxic it in a way. There's still lots of joy there. Yeah, yeah. I guess you just you, you kind of uh, focus on what you want to focus on. Yeah. I'm not great on it. Uh, I don't really post that much on it. I'm just sort of like retweet sort of bullshit promotional stuff. Or if I've done a gig, I mean, it's the completely wrong way to use it. Occasionally I might do a semi-witty tweet and, and that's about it but, yeah. I should, but it, horses for courses I guess well it's, it's funny because usually you lose followers if you say anything that's what usually <laughs> happens on Twitter Don't yeah, I'm playing opinion. it safe basically and I have quite strong opinions about things that I'm not very good at hiding um, so I made like when series 2 of Liam Dean was out I didn't post anything about Brexit Purposely, for really? Six weeks. Yeah. Wow. I just said, don't do it, Mark. Don't do it. Yeah. You know. you, you've had previous experiences where you've voiced certain opinions. Oh, I have. And like, you've lost I, followers. Last week, I was watching the first debate between Johnson and Corbyn. Yeah. And I got so incensed. I'm not a Corbyn supporter, but I'm absolutely not a Conservative supporter. Sorry mm. to get political. There. No, no. I, I feel your pain. I got so incensed by something that Boris Johnson said that just pressed a particular button for me, yeah. that I went onto Twitter 
and I said, honestly, I absolutely fucking detest the Tories and anyone who votes for them. And that was pretty strong, you know, and I was so angry in the moment. And quite rightly, some people who, who follow me because of Lee and Dean yeah. kind of said, uh, that's really rude, you know, so you're saying you detest me and pulled me up on it. And um, Did you reply to that? Yeah, I did. And usually I wouldn't sort of get like involved in things like that, but I think they were absolutely right to pull me up on it. Yeah. You know, it didn't, I, I do feel this animosity towards people who vote conservative at the moment. I really do. Yeah. But they were absolutely right to call me out for, you know, this big sweeping generalisation, you know. So, yeah, yeah, so saying things and voicing opinions. But I've never been good at not voicing opinions, so really. when you get that uh, negative feedback, does that trigger any sort of mental health at all? Or are you okay with that? No, I was, no, I was okay with that. Actually, the thing I think is just most important with anything is, is discussion and debate. Yeah. And if something prov- provokes a bit of discussion and debate, which it did. And, you know, I was able to have these really lovely exchanges with people I've never met. Yeah. You know, about their reasons for feeling the way they do, my reasons for feeling the way I do. I just think we need more of that. Yeah. And I almost went back and deleted the original tweet, but I thought, actually, that's that's a bit disingenuous. And actually, the kind of record of, not that anyone's interested in, you know, one of my tweets, but, you know, saying something in an angry way that then provoked some really good discussion... I, I, I think I'd rather maintain that and have that there than, than pretend it never happened. Yeah, that makes sense. I can understand that. But yeah, don't tweet if you want followers. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be all right then. <laughs> so I also wanted to ask you, I always find it amazing when sort of there's people like you who are doing what you're doing, but then also are married with kids and juggling that as well. Like, yeah. How do you manage to balance the both together? Not- do you have like, strategies in place? What do you do? Not no, I don't do terribly well at it, and there are times when I'm probably not the best dad in the world. And I I know it sounds like I'm sort of you know sort of doing myself down, but there are times when anyone in any profession is going to not be the greatest parent, you know, because of the stresses and strains, and because they're they're just not doing a terribly good job. And I hope I balance that out with being around. So sometimes when when we're full on with stuff, I don't see them very much yeah you know, like when we're in production i rarely see the kids except for weekends really yeah and then i try and be around at other times my head is often really crowded with work things yeah and i have to make a real effort to stop that i've always found holidays really stressful really i don't like going away i like coming home more than i do going away but what i found in the recent couple of years is that i've been able to switch off properly on holidays and why do you think that is i i don't know because i always go into holidays thinking i'll take my laptop you know just in case i need to look at anything yeah and then don't open it for a couple of weeks yeah and there's something lovely about that and yeah just go into holidays thinking oh i'm not going to be able to switch off i'm not going to be able to switch off and then actually there's a little shift and you do switch off and you're able to just be sort of be there with with your family yeah you know, it is, it is bloody hard, but I suppose the good thing about it is that it does keep you grounded. I was going to ask you about that. So I remember, and it's right, name dropping time, we did some work with Kim Cattrall a few years ago. Nice. And the first day that we met her, we went for lunch with her and some producers and her agent and stuff, this big um, lunch. And um, imposter syndrome, a go-go. Yeah. 
because there really was a moment in that meeting where, because we still hadn't really made anything apart from our own short films at that point, where the head of comedy at NBC Universal said, so Mark, do you want to tell Kim your idea? And I started talking and I thought, you know, honestly, if this were a film, the film would be called They Fooled Them All. You know, and any minute now someone's going to come and say, gee, well, you shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. Go outside, you lunatic. You know, you should be looking in through the window. The devil on your shoulder. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I remember so having that meeting and, like, coming away from it, just going, we just we just had, like, a three-hour meeting with Kim Cattrall. Yeah. You know, and um, it's the most amazing thing we're talking about, making a project with her, a project that we write and we're all in together. And going home, having a few having a few drinks on the way home with Miles. And then the next morning, I spent about 45 minutes trying to fish a dead bird out of um, <laughs> out from behind the sofa that the cat had hidden there. You need the kids, that. While the kids were screaming, get out, get out. Right. And just thinking, this is a weird juxtaposition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually really pleased that it's there. Yeah. In, Do you think life. if you didn't have that, you would? Like been, I don't know. You, you lose t- control. You can totally see how people lose control in this industry, can't you? Yeah. I mean, like the a six week shoot, and for those six weeks, you don't have to do anything apart from your job on set. Yeah. You know, you have to act. In my case, you have to act and direct and be thinking about the production side of things. But apart from that, you know, a car picks you up. You get travelled everywhere. So someone says, I'm just going to travel Mark to make up now. And they travel you, basically. They walk with you to make sure you, don't, you don't get lost yeah. uh, somewhere. And someone brings you your food. And the cup of tea is put in your hand occasionally. And I remember the first thing we made, uh, like proper thing, about three years ago, I remember having my folder with all my notes. I was only directing it. I wasn't. I played a little cameo sort of in it. And it's the first time we'd had like a big proper crew. And I suddenly became aware of the fact that Sometimes I had my folder in my hand and sometimes I didn't. And I, I honestly, like three days in, I'm going, what's going on? Am I going mad that sometimes my folder is in my <laughs> hand and sometimes it isn't? And I realised that uh, one of the runners, every time I stepped forward onto set, would just take it from me. And every time I came back to the monitors, it was just put back in my hand. Wow. And you can totally see yeah. how people lose connection with reality yeah. when that sort of thing is happening. Yeah. There's, um, I don't know if you've come across this so the first time it was the, that same project actually we made a pilot um, another pilot for something else for Channel 4 and it was the first time we'd had paid extras in and I like to kind of say hello to everybody and talk to everybody and so I went sort of to have this big chat with the extras to kind of say hello and to explain what the scene was and I was almost rugby tackled by the third AD <laughs> And taken over to one side and like kind of, sorry, Mark, you need it over here. And I'm thinking, what the hell is going on? I was taken to one side. And the first AD and the third basically said, you can't talk to them. I said, what do you, what do you mean I can't talk to them? Well, if you talk to them, they can then come back and say, the director directed us and they will charge us more money. I go, what? This is this is crazy. Yeah. So it got to the point where I, I was... Avoiding eye contact. Well, no, 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 no. So what I would do is I would be staring at one of our supporting artists whilst the second AD was... No, the third AD was next to me. Yeah. And I'd say his name's kind of um, John or something. I'd be staring at the extra that I wanted to move. And I'd say kind of, John, it would be great if someone around here could move over there at some point, wouldn't it? 
and John would then make that happen. It's so bizarre. And you just feel like a total wanker. Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah. It's almost like someone should make a sitcom about extras. <laughs> yeah, why is it? No good one, idea, that, wouldn't it? Why has no one done that? And, um, yeah, it wouldn't work without Bowie, would it? No. I'm still not over that. That was a tough one. It was two, two, 2016. 2016. That was a bad year. That was an awful year. I'm still not over George Michael as well. Yeah, because I... Terry Wogan. I, yeah, all of them. I, was, I lived in Archway at the time and uh-huh. uh, would drive past his uh, his house and there were sort of loads of wreaths outside. Sea of flowers. Yeah, did you see it? Um, only, on, on only on the news, yeah. Yeah. Oh, George. Oh, poor George. Yeah. Yeah, it was a tough one. 2017 as well. It was also sort of like, it seemed to be sort of a continuation. So I, th- I thought we were done with this. It's been a difficult few years, hasn't it? Mm. Yeah, now we can do the poor us thing. Yeah. 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 So it's more of a general thing. Now, no one it? knows it's what not we're just, going through. No, no, no one really understands what we're going through. No, every time I hear last Christmas, it's tinged with sadness. So he died Christmas Day that year. Yeah. Christmas Day Christmas is my Day, birthday. That was my 40th birthday. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I don't want to make this about me. No, but George Michael dying on my 40th birthday. It's, yeah, that's a big and thing. And I had a really bad head cold as well. I don't know. <laughs> so it was, a shit, it was a shit 40th then? No, it was actually really nice. We went to centre parks because we are those people. Love a bit of centre parks. I love centre parks. It's great. Right. I love centre parks and I loathe myself for loving centre parks. I think you've just got to fully embrace it. Well, I do. Yeah, you do. But, you know, I come away from it feeling like I don't deserve anything nice. It's the imposter syndrome. Yeah, maybe it is, yeah. Yeah. Shouldn't be here. I go there in centre parks. I get like really sporty for two days. It's great, isn't it? Really sporty for two days and kind of, you know, wear sportswear and things. Go on your long walks in your sportswear. Yeah. Great. Um, (laughs) This has been a, it's been a, it's been an enjoyable conversation. Have you enjoyed it? I very much have. Uh, Have you settled into the fact that I'm sitting on the floor with the cushions? Do you know, I almost forgot about it. Great. That's good. Yeah. I do feel like the power's shifted. I think it very much has. You think so? Yeah, because as the conversation has worn on, you sort of lean further and further forward. I have, yeah. Which has sort of made me slightly, slightly intimidated. Sort of domineering. Yeah, sort of, thing, yeah. yeah, veering over me. Your shadow's cast on Looming, on like, yeah. like a building near Grey's Inn Road. Exactly. Yeah. I'm like the old building. You're the new build. Yeah. And I feel like I, I, don't, I don't deserve to be here anymore. Well, then my work here is done. And with that, I wish you a do. Uh, thank you very much for coming on. So I want to leave you with this question and feel free to answer it in any shape or form, uh, yeah. how you see fit, positively or negatively. Yeah. What does uh, the idea of balance mean to you, Mark O'Sullivan? What a good question. I think it means not taking anything so seriously that it shadows all the other elements of your life. That's a great answer. I like that. It was good, wasn't it? Yeah, it was very Even good. I'm impressed. You, I can yeah. see you're almost shocked by the, <laughs> the level of quality of that. <laughs> something, something just happened to me and I'm not sure what. <laughs> uh, where can people follow you and, and so forth? So uh, if you want to come and follow me for a minute or two on Twitter before Probably I say something you. that offends you, yeah. it's I'm Marco Sullivan, no apostrophes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I am on Instagram, but I don't really understand it. And really, I only post stuff there so that my daughter gets upset with me. She goes, what the hell, Dad? Uh, like whenever I put something on there. Yeah, and um, yeah, I'm going to be posting about... I, I might start telling people about my stand-up gigs soon. Okay. Yeah. Great. All I right. don't know. 
I look forward to seeing that. Well, it's great. I wanted to talk, mention this earlier. I, I don't want to sort of go on and on, but I remember us meeting up about five years ago and you saying you were considering uh, performing live then. I think it's that shows sort of a real sense of patience and also discipline that you focus on doing this side of things, as in the filming, etc. And now you, it's at a point where that's all up and running. You're like, okay, I'm going to go back to this now. Yeah, that is one way of looking at it. The other way is that sort of half-heartedly said, yeah, I'm going to do that. And then someone said, do you want to make a TV programme? And yeah, obviously. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because I'm not an idiot. Or maybe I am. Nah, I think think you've done things the right way. I think you're going to have... Problem is now for your first gig, you're going to have all your fans turning up. I don't mind that, as long as somebody laughs at something I say. I will. I'll be there. I'm having the anxiety dreams about it. I'll, I'll be laughing and controlling in equal measures. Brilliant. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's my ideal relationship, Steve. Thank Perfect. you. Perfect. I'm glad we sorted that out. Um, Mark, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. Perfect. So there we go. What a lovely conversation. As I said at the beginning of the podcast, I think it's inspiring and it's also super interesting to hear people's journeys and to hear how Mark has arrived at this position where he is a comedy creator, writer, director, producer, and managing to do all these things through his own production company, obviously, that he co-runs with Miles and Sam. Um, It's an incredible feat, and it's just always interesting to hear people's journeys to how they got to where they've arrived at. And I'm sure it's just the beginning for him, and they're going to go on to do many more funit, funit things. So I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did as in listening to Mark I didn't necessarily I'm not saying I enjoyed my own hosting skills that's for you uh, obviously to uh, decide and judge but if you did enjoy this episode and you got something out of it be very much appreciative if you could give it a five star rating you can give four if you want but you know just why not just go the whole hog just give a five star rating yes that would be fantastic and if you really wanted to do your good deed for the day you could of course always give it a little review on uh, iTunes that would be uh, that would be amazing I'll send you a badge uh, of some sort I've this is something I've just come up with I don't know what the badge will say that doesn't matter really I'm just trying to bribe you to write a glowing positive review on iTunes and not forgetting balancing acts is now created in association with the comedy crowd who uh, support independent comedy creators such as myself and showcase the best new videos on Comedy Crowd TV, including adult animation, sketch shows, web series, viral hits, the whole shebang. If you're a creator, you should be on the Comedy Crowd. Google it and um, you can find out more information on them. Uh, If you're a fan of comedy, then you will love the Comedy Crowd TV. And I'm not just saying that because uh, some of my characters are on there. Uh, There's some genuinely talented creators making very funny shit. So uh, do check out ComedyCrowdTV.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.